we're finishing up this series. We're gonna we're gonna be in heaven just a, a couple more weeks, and uh, uh, <laughs> and then it's on to reality. No, um, been enjoying uh, the message, and uh, if you've missed any of the weeks, uh, go ahead and pick up the CDs, or you can get them on iTunes, or you can go online, and we have all the uh, all the sermons on there. And we've kind of answered some questions so far: is is heaven uh, the default destination or hell? How do we get to heaven? Uh, where do we go actually when we die? Uh, what is heaven like now? And what I want to discover today is, and th- this is such, I know this has been kind of a heavy topic, but, but this is, uh, today is just a good day. Today is, I- I'm just really looking forward to today and what we're going to be sharing today because when we really understand heaven, what, what I know we, we I know when we you know we get to heaven if we've trusted Jesus' name we, we know it's going to be a glorious place and we know we're going to be reunite, reunited with Aunt Gertie and I know all that stuff's great but but here's what I want you to see about heaven I, I want you to get an understanding here because what you're seeing right now in your lives is is Christ is transforming your life you're, you're seeing a little bit glimpse of heaven right now. Right now, even, listen, even in your trials, even in, even in the, the difficult things in your life, and how many of you sitting here today can say, Christ transformed my life? I mean, he took the broken, messy, dysfunctional crud in my life, and he transformed me through his wonderful Holy Spirit. And, and what, you're, what you see there is just a glimpse of what heaven is. Heaven, if you, if you think about it for a moment, is, is God transforming or renewing all things. And that's what I want to, I want to look at today is, is heaven is a, is a restoration of all things that are broken. God's plan from the beginning, as we see in the book of Genesis to the end of Revelation is about one theme. It's about the theme of redemption. God redeeming something that was broken. We talked about this last week. When we read a story or we watch a 30-minute sitcom or a movie, we always say there's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. They, they wrap it all up. But when you look at the Word of God and how God does things, we see that there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, and then God goes back to the beginning again, where he's going to restore all things for us. That's the hope that we have. Can you imagine thinking about your life if this is all that it is? And I'm just living my life in the pain, the trial that I go through, and then one day it just ends? See, I want you to look at the Bible instead of individual stories because the mistake we make when we read the Word of God is we look at these stories and we say, oh, wasn't Moses a great person? You need to be like Moses. Do you realize Moses made a lot of mistakes? Do you realize Moses didn't even get... He wasn't even allowed to go into the promised land. Moses, the greatest prophet of all. David, we talk about David, a man after God's own heart. He was a train wreck, that guy. Made a lot of mistakes. Terrible father, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah, I need to read the Bible. Okay, so we know, but, right? but God still used him for his glory. Can I get an Amen. So what I want you to see is what we tend to do is we take the Bible and we say, here's a story and we, in, we, we make it individual and we just, we just take it in that context. And then we say, okay, David was a good guy, so be like David. Or Joseph was a good man. He ran away from you, so be like Joseph. What I want you to see when you read the Bible, and I try to teach this to my kids because I don't want my kids just knowing about the story of Moses. 
I don't want my kids just to know about Abraham and Adam and Eve and all these, all these individual stories, which are great to know about. But what we, the mistake we make is we read the Bible and we read it for individual stories. And we go to Sunday school and we, 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 we learn all these stories and we say, okay, who, who knows who Noah was? And the little kids raise their hand and, you know, they tell the story. But what I want you to realize is these stories are all about God's main story. There is one story, not a bunch of stories, but one story. And that one story is God is redeeming everything that is broken. So when you look at the theme through the whole word of God, from the very beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, God is restoring the things that are broken. So what I want you to do is when you read the word of God, don't read it as individual stories and then say, okay, this person was good, this person was bad, try to be like that. Realize it that God takes all these stories and makes it his story. And his story is all about his son, Jesus. That Jesus was gonna come back his one and only son, and restore everything that was broken. Now, this is good news for you and I, right? Because in our lives, we can say there was things that were broken in my life, and Jesus came to restore the brokenness in my life. So you say, well, pastor, what does that have to do with heaven? It has everything to do with heaven. Because God is going to recreate. God is going to restore. God is going to redeem everything that was broken on earth and make it new again. That's our hope. So if we don't get this, then heaven just sounds boring. It, it, it's, 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 all it is, it's just like, what do I do? To, it, it sounds like, a, do I, we just sit around playing harps on a cloud? Is that, is that all it is? It's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, right? How I many ever watched Bugs Bunny? The minute somebody died, they got a harp in their hand, they went up on a cloud, right? It's, that's most people's theology about heaven comes from Bugs Bunny cartoons, right? Is that, is that all it is? Is a Bugs Bunny? Because if it is, it's, that's boring. But, but I want you to remember this and know this, that, that God does everything for his glory. God is restoring everything for his glory and he wants you to be part of that. And I, there's, a, there's a passage in Isaiah. If you've got, you got your Bibles, you can look at with me here. Uh, Isaiah 43. I, this, is, this prophecy, this is written almost 3,000 years ago, 700 years before the, uh, almost 700 years before the birth of Christ. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says in, in, in the scriptures, in these ancient scriptures, about what God's plan is. Here is God's purpose for your life right here. This is what God is doing. Isaiah saw it, that, that even though it, the context here is Israel, that Israel was backsliding against the Lord, but God said, listen, even in your backslidden state, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to take those from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I'm going to bring you back, and you're going to be my people, and God is doing that right before our very eyes today. This is biblical prophecy right here happening right before our very eyes today. But I want you to see the prophet gets a, a vision of what is going to be. This is to give hope, even in the midst of destruction or, or when we displease God. He's giving hope that, that I'm going to do all this for you. You can't do this on your own. I'm going to restore all things because it's for my purpose and my glory that I do these things. So listen to what, what Isaiah says here. Uh, chapter 43, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. It says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob... He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, 
For I have, what? Redeemed you. I have called you mine. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the Red Sea, I was with you. When you go through the Jordan River, I was with you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. And I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west, and I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Here is the reason, here's the, here's the big question. Here's the reason why God created you. It wasn't because God was lonely. Okay, get that out of your mind. I heard a pastor say it a couple weeks ago and I'm like, no! No! Great guy, love him. Good pastor. Huge church. I'm like, no! Because what that does is it focuses it back on me. Like, like, like God needs me, Barton Gerace. Are you kidding me? I'm such a train wreck. I, you know, God is fine within himself in the perfect unity of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? But here's why he did create you. For his glory. He created you not because he was lonely and he needed some companionship. That's why he created women, woman for man. Thank, amen, Ruth, right? Because we needed a little companion, right? We were, we're, we were, we were, okay, now I've, okay, now I'm getting in trouble. Well, it was, it, you know, it was like, it was like, now this isn't theological, but it was, it was like these uh, three guys that, that went to heaven and, and God said, listen, I'm going to send you back. By the way, this is not theological, but, but it's, and these three guys stood before heaven and, and he says, I give you one wish when you go back to heaven. So they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's great. The one guy goes, I want to be smart. I, I want to be, I want to be the smartest person on earth. So guy says, okay. And he, he goes back and then the next guy goes, what do you wish? He goes, well, my wish is to be smarter than that guy that you just sent back to earth. I want to be a hundred times smarter than that guy. That's my wish. So God says, okay, there's your wish. You go back. And the third guy goes, okay, I want to be a thousand times smarter than that guy who's a hundred times smarter than the first guy. And God says, okay, and he made him a woman. So uh, anyway, so it's not theological, okay. So here we see in, in this scripture that, that God is recreating, God is restoring, God is redeeming. He's the one that redeems us. We, we, didn't, we, we don't do it by ourselves. We can't do it. We need, we need God's help. So God created you for his glory that you could be part of this wonderful universe, that you could see God's mighty hand in your life. And, and here's the great thing. God wants to use you for his purposes and for his glory so that, so that everything that comes to us 
We would literally be a mirror or a reflection and we would reflect it back to God. Isn't that amazing when, when, when God does something really cool in your life and then you're able to reflect that back to him and say, to God be the glory. Doesn't it go so much deeper than when it just gets back to me and then I, and I, I become a sponge and I soak it in and say, yeah, I'm pretty good. Yeah, that was me. Isn't that kind of short-lived? But God says, listen, I, I want this to be so much deeper than, than yourselves. I want to do things in your life that you can't even comprehend or know of. But if you allow me to work in your life and you, and you point to me for every good thing that you see in your life, you're going to experience things that you've never experienced before and your life is going to be so much deeper than you ever thought it could be. He goes, because I want to be one with you. I want you to experience my glory for yourself. And I want you to look at my creation and say, wow, look at the handiwork of God. Look how amazing God is. Look how wonderful God is. Look how powerful God is. Look at what he does in our midst each and every day. And when you can do that, man, your, your relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, is just going to be in, in, incredible. And so what God is doing, we want to get a picture of heaven, of God redeeming all things for his purpose, and that he's restoring all things for his purpose glory. I want to show you a picture. How many of you, I'm going to try to see if you guys remember this picture. Some of you that are old enough, like me, remember this picture right here. Let me refresh your memory. On October 16th, 1987, after a 58-hour ordeal, baby Jessica McClure, how many remember baby Jessica, okay? We were glued to the TV sets watching this, was rescued from a 22-foot well that was 22 feet down, eight inches wide, that she fell into at 18 months old. Millions, including myself, were glued to their TV sets as rescuers worked fiercely to rescue her. She is now 26 years old and has two children doing great. Uh, thankfully, there was a, there was a good uh, ending to this story. But what I love about this story of, of, of baby Jessica is all the workers and people that worked tirelessly to, to get her out of that, that well. What I love about this story, it illustrates this very thing that I'm trying to, to, to show to you this morning. This, this very story illustrates redemption. And, and the way it illustrates redemption is this, is baby Jessica, because she was 18 months old, could not save herself without help. There was absolutely no way that she could have crawled out, she would have died in that well unless somebody came to save her. She came out of that well bruised and, and dirty, and, and, and what this symbolizes is our life, sin, the, the, how we're bruised by it and how we can't save ourselves. And, and all of us today are born in that well of sin. There's no way out unless we are saved. Unless someone comes to our rescue to redeem us, we are all in that well that we cannot resuscitate. We cannot save ourselves. I like what uh, writer Albert uh, Walter says, he says, and this describes the situation of, of, of baby Jessica and, and our lives before Christ and, and what Jesus came to do. He says, it is quite striking that virtually all the basic words, words describing salvation in the Bible imply a return to an originally good state of situation. Redemption is a good example. To redeem 
is to buy free, to literally buy back, to give back the freedom that he or she once enjoyed. And so for baby Jessica, these, these wonderful rescues came to rescue from, a, from an impending death that would have happened to her if somebody didn't come to save her. And what was amazing to me is how the world stopped for those hours to watch somebody get rescued. And what I want you to see today is it's an amazing thing what God did and the extent God went to to rescue you and I from the well of sin. If you can get that in your mind, because for some of you here today, you can take the picture down. For some of you here today, you are, you're, you're, you're stuck in this uh, pattern. It's like a holding pattern in your life that there's something you have to do in order to appease God. There, there, there's something that you have to continually do in your life. It's this works mentality that we have. I want you to realize there's absolutely nothing you could ever do to save yourself. Nothing. We're, we're destitute without Christ. And when you can get to that point in your life where you realize it's only by God's grace that you can be saved today, that's when the freedom comes. And I think for some of you here today that, that are battling with, with things in your life or habitual things in your life that you're struggling to overcome in your life, and I know the temptation is always going to be part of our life, but some of those things that are just habitual in your life that it's very difficult, difficult to come over and to overcome, I think if you can just get this into your mind and get it into your spirit that I can't do it myself, that I need a Savior, and when you bow your heart to Jesus Christ and realize that he's the only one that, that can redeem you, that's the start that's the beginning point of freedom in your life. So what, what, what happened? Why are, we, you know, why are we in the mess that we are in today? And we know that it's because of our rebellion. And from the beginning of time, God in his plan has set up this plan to redeem man that comes through his son, Jesus, that through his death, he paid the price for our rebellion. Jesus came to rescue us from the well of sin. And so for, in order for God to redeem us, in order for God to, to save us through his son, obviously we, we, we know here this morning that, that Jesus died that sacrificial death for you and I. And here's, what, here's where heaven comes in. You see, it just doesn't stop with us. The redemption of our lives don't stop with us, but God is going to renew the earth from itself because of the cause of sin and rebellion that we now see and we live under a curse and that's why we got the sweat on our brow. That's why we work. And, and this is because of the curse of rebellion, because of man. But think about it. If God is redeeming you now, God is going to redeem us and take us to a place that is going to be redeemed. And we're going to live in that perfect place with God. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Can you imagine how wonderful that place will be in that perfect place? place of redemption and restoration. I just can't imagine what that's going to be like. Let me give you some scriptures here that, that just show God's heart in this redemption because it doesn't end with just me where God saves me and that's it. It, 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 it ends with God restoring everything, restoring the earth and, 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 and his creation, redeeming it and making it new again. Uh, let me give you some passage here, here, here in Isaiah. Isaiah 65, 17 says, for the new heaven and the, earth, and the new earth, for behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. 
Isaiah 66, 22. For as the new heaven and the new earth that I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, and so shall your offspring and your name remain. And then if you jump over into the New Testament, Peter, looking back at these ancient prophecies, exclaims the same thing. 2 Peter 3.13, he says, but according to his promise, we are waiting for what? The new heaven and the new earth, which which righteousness will dwell. Notice how he says the, the, the two are together. New heaven and new earth. We think of the two separately. We think of heaven's up there and earth is down here and we're just all going to go to heaven one day, right? No! That's wrong thinking. God actually is going to renew both. Heaven, scriptures say, is going to come down to the renewed earth. Can I get an amen? He's restoring it all. So, so let's not, I mean, when we die now, we get the, get the message from last week. It will make complete, complete confusion for you, but get the message from last week, and hopefully that will clear everything up, because we talk about when we die now, we, we go to heaven, but we know that God is, in the end, is going to re- recreate everything. He's going he's to restore everything, this heaven and this new earth. And so John, now Peter looks back and he says, okay, God, I, I, I see through the ancient writings that, that you're going to restore everything, this new heaven and this new earth, which righteousness would dwell. Now, John the Apostle in the book of Revelation gets the glimpse of what it would actually be. He was allowed to see this from the Lord. And we see this in Revelation 21.1, this new heaven and new earth again. And then John says, listen, I actually saw the new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Notice the two are together. New heaven, new earth, new heaven, new earth. God is restoring it all. And so this is, this is what we should ultimately be looking forward to. And so when we read the word of God, when we read the scriptures, we know through the reading of the word of God that Christ will return to this earth, this one right here, not, not the... Not, not the redeemed earth, but this earth right here. He will set up his millennial reign, which will last for a thousand years. He will set foot on this, on this earth and, and rule and reign for a thousand years in his millennial kingdom. And then, at, and then, but that's not the end. But at the end, God says, I will restore all things. And what we get a picture of in the end of the book of Revelation is that this new heaven will actually come down to this new earth. And so I want you to understand that God has not given up on his original creation. You realize that, right? God has not given up on it. What he's done is he's going to restore it and, and make it new. Now, I, I, this, this is the only way I can wrap my mind around it. I've been getting into those restoration shows on TV. I just like those. those because I could never do that in a million years. But, but I love how they take... You know, one show calls it, calls it rusty gold. They, 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 you know, they, they go around the country and they look for junkyards and, and, and what we would think is just trash and rusty and laying in the middle of the grass. They'd say, no, no, this is good. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and we're going to restore this thing. And I'm like, really? Yeah. We're and they do. And people buy it. And they make money doing this, this stuff, pickers. So uh, there's this one show where it just amazed me how they know the value of something. And there's this one show where this guy's driving down the street and they see a Corvette 
sitting on the back of a truck and, and this guy was going to auction to sell it. Now they're going down and this guy knows the value of this particular Corvette. It was a, in the 60s, but what made this Corvette so valuable was the back window was split. It had two windows. So it was a split, I don't know what you call it, split window Corvette. You guys know, yeah, you guys are, yeah. <laughs> Some of you are starting to salivate out there. You're like, Whoa. you know, and there, there weren't a lot of them made. They're very rare. Now, it was ugly. It like, it looked old. I mean, it, if I would looked at it, I'm like, what a piece of junk that thing is. You know, I take it to, I, you know, I thought they were taking it to the junkyard, you know, but he's taking it to uh, auction. So it wasn't pretty. It, it was in its original condition, but it was 40-something years old. It was, it was an old Corvette, and it looked old. The wheels looked old. It was rusty. It, it needed a lot of work. So the guy is going ballistic, and he, he, he literally pulls the guy over in, 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 in the truck. You know, hopefully he's not going to get shot by this guy. So he pulls him over, and he says, can I talk to you for a minute? He goes, no, oh, I'm on my way to auction. He goes, no, no, I want to talk to you about your car. I, I may want to buy this thing. So they're talking, and um, he goes, uh, you're taking out, he goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can get $40,000 for this Corvette because you know how valuable it was. And so the guy's like, listen, I will buy, I'll give you crisp $100 bills. I will give you $40,000 right now for that vet. He goes, because you're not sure in auction, you got to pay percentage and so on and so forth. Those of you not know all about that, you know how that all works. And so he goes, you may not make as much money, but I'm willing to give you this much money right now. So the guy goes, okay, he sells it to him. They restored this Corvette. Oh my goodness. It was beautiful. He knew that he had a buyer. They sold, they bought the Corvette for 35 or 40,000, whatever it was. They ended up restoring it to its original condition. They had a buyer and they sold it for like $110,000. Ruth believes it. She does. She knows because she has one. So she knows. It, and see, what, what it was is that. The Corvette, this 67 or whatever they are, excuse me if I got it wrong, with the split back windows, whatever year it was, okay, um, they know the value, right? So when the, it was still the same Corvette, wasn't it? But it was restored. It was renewed to its original condition. That's what God is going to do. He's going to restore it all for his glory back to its original condition. So here is, see, see this, is, this, is, this is God's uh, plan. This is God's plan in redemption. What, what he wants to do is he wants to restore it. So when you, when you look through the scripture, you're going to see a lot of words with, with R-E before them. So what do I mean, what do I mean by that? Um, you're going to see words like resurrect, what does the word resurrect mean? It, it means to bring back to life again that which was dead. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Do you realize that one day our bodies will be resurrected again and we'll have new heavenly bodies? Now, when we get to heaven, we're, we're going to still know what we look like, right? I'm going to be a little taller, though. That's it, okay? Still, I'll still have my good looks, but I'll still be a little taller, okay? See, we're, we're going we're gonna to still know each other. And here's the reason why. Was Jesus knowable after the resurrection? 
Certainly he was. He was, he was recognized. We're going to see him for what he is. So what God will do is even though our bodies go into the ground, one day those bodies will be resurrected again and we're going to have new heavenly bodies. That which would took on that Paul talks about, uh, that which was mortal will take on immortality. That which was corrupt will, will, will not be corruptible, will take on incorruption. We're not going to be affected anymore by the curse that we see now as we live in. So, so you see the word resurrect. You see the word recover, which, which means to find that which was lost. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost because every single one of us was lost in our sin. We see the word redeem in the word of God, which means to buy back. All of us were slaves to sin. And, and it, the, the, the redeem is a picture of a slave market. And Jesus, this is a good image for us that we're all slaves to sin. And Jesus came in to redeem us from the slavery of sin. We see the word restore, which means to fix or make well again. We see the word reconcile, which means a restoration of a broken relationship. The Bible says we were once enemies with God. And Jesus came to restore that enmity between us and God, to restore it, to make it right again, that we now are at peace with God through Jesus' life. We see the word renewal, which means restoring to an original state. You see, these are all words that describe our salvation. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And the words Jesus gives while well, he was walking on this earth, he, uh, one day he was in the, the synagogue and he, 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 he begins to share what his purpose is on earth. And I want you to see this in, in, in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, uh, he records for us Jesus' very words and, and Jesus quotes from the prophet Isaiah in Luke 4, 18 through 19. And here's what Jesus says. This is such good news. I love this passage. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to notice the words Jesus used. I've come to give blind to those, or to give sight to those who are blind. I've, I've come to redeem those who are oppressed. I've come to restore. I've come to restore. I've come to buy back. I've come to make things right. That is my job for you. I've come to make it right. Those of you, all of us who are oppressed by sin and the curse that we see in this world today, Jesus says, I have come to break that. I have come to set you free from that very thing. And so our salvation is a glimpse of what God will eventually do in heaven and earth. So Jesus' own words, he's talking about recovering, redeeming the oppressed. You see, Jesus' miracles were clearly about restoring. Jesus had that authority over sin and evil. So here's the thing as we just wrap this whole thing up. Here's the thing. When we see the word new world 
in the scriptures, when you see the, the words new earth, I want you to understand that, that the word new world or new earth can be translated regeneration. It's, it's, it's really, it's two words which mean new genesis. It, it means renewal, a, a coming back to life. And that is what we have to look forward to. This is what makes our new life in Christ so amazing. Jesus restores that which was broken. And what he does is he breathes his life through the power of the Holy Spirit into your life and causes you literally to become born again. We need to talk about that more. It's funny, people think of being born again as like a church brand, like a church denomination. Oh, you're the born again people. You're the born again Christians. Well, there's only one kind of Christian and they're the born again kind, okay? So let's just be honest about it, okay? Because if, if the Bible says if you're not born again, you're not going to the kingdom of heaven. So really that's the only kind. So when somebody asks you, are you the born again Christians? Yeah, that's the only kind of Christian, okay? So I'm just, I was like, really, Pastor? You're pretty mean about that. Listen, that, that's it. I'm just saying, it is. And so, unless we are renewed, and Jesus said this to Nicodemus in John 3, unless you are renewed, unless you're born from above, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is a place that God established. The kingdom of heaven is where God resides. And God says, the only way you can come into my presence is by allowing your life to be renewed. And the person that allowed your life to be renewed that you can enter into my presence is through my son Jesus who paid the price for your sin. He's the key. He's the bridge. He's the doorway. That's it. And without Christ, we're destitute and we're left in our own sin. So here's the good news. The good news is we can experience that right now in our lives. And here's how I want to leave you today. Here's how I want to leave you today. Where are you today? Here's the thing. For, for those of you that aren't followers of Christ, I would say to you, you need to start that new relationship with Jesus and let him renew you and, and let him come into your life. And you can ask for forgiveness for your sins and, and Jesus gives you a, a brand new life. You, you need to start there. But for some of you here today that are followers of Christ, here's where it gets a little sticky sometimes. Because we know what the Lord is doing in our hearts. We know that God is restoring all things. But yet, there are still broken things in our lives that we're not allowing God to restore. And so what begins to happen is we say, you know what, Lord? You can have 85% of my life, but don't touch that 15%. It's too painful, it's too hard. But God says, would you let me restore it? Would you let me redeem that? Would you let me come into that situation and allow my glory to be seen? How many know that when a broken relationship is restored, God gets the glory? When a broken relationship is restored, God gets the glory. When a broken marriage is restored, God gets the glory. That's evidence of God's restoration and his power in your life to redeem all those things that are broken. So my question to you today would be, what is the thing that is broken in your life? 
Is, is there, because God says, I want to redeem that too. I want to change that in your life. Maybe, maybe it's a habitual habit. Maybe, maybe it's a, a, a broken relationship. Whatever, whatever that thing might be in your life, God is saying to you today, let me restore it today. Humble yourself. And, and, and begin to pray, God, could you get the glory in this situation by restoring it? Yeah. God says, watch me move before you're very, you've got to let me do something in that situation. You've got to let me restore that. But, but by us not allowing God into that situation, what, what we're actually saying is we don't believe that God is great enough to, to restore. And so God wants to heal that brokenness in your life. And maybe there's some things in your life that are just broken, maybe from past bad relationships, whatever it may be, and they're just broken. God says, let me heal you of that. I can restore that. Doesn't mean you'll forget about it, but God says, I can redeem it. I can restore it. And by me restoring your heart, I can give you a peace so that you don't have to walk in that bitterness any longer. And that's how powerful Christ is. You see, the only way I can explain my salvation experience is this way, is I was blind and now I could see. So I could tell, I was like, went to church my whole life and all of a sudden when God's spirit came within me, when I bowed my heart before Jesus Christ, something happened. There was a transformation that happened in my heart. Now, was I the same burden and personality? Yeah. Thank God he uses our personalities, right? That's good. Otherwise, it would be pretty boring around here. I was still Barden, but he transformed me and said, now, Barden, I want you to be transformed into my image. And I want you to be a follower of me. And my life changed because of that. It's like when the light gets thrown on in a room, you can see everything. It was like, whoa, this is what it is. This is why Jesus came. I get it now. All these years sitting in Sunday school, this is what it means. Eureka! I could have had a V8, right? This is what it means. I was like, I used to think church was boring and we used to hide the Bibles on our Sunday school teachers so he would spend half the time looking for those so he wouldn't have to teach because he was really a bad teacher. But anyways, it was, I got it now. See, God wants to redeem you. He wants to redeem your situations. He wants to redeem your life. He wants to redeem brokenness. He wants to redeem it. Let him redeem your life today. Let him change it. And that's the great glimpse that we can get to heaven, that God is going to redeem this whole earth, that heaven's going to come down to this earth where righteousness will dwell. That's our future. That's our hope. That's pretty exciting stuff. So let's pray today. And let me just ask God, whatever your situation is to allow God to bring his life and his breath into those situations be that minister of reconciliation that God wants to be in your life be the one that offers peace in those situations let's strive for that as God's people that's a gospel-centered living right there that that's when you say God I really want you to do great things in my life when we're the ones that are proactive and creating those situations that bring peace and reconciliation and that we run away from bitterness and we run away from, from situations that are going to uh, break relationships apart, but we want it, them to be healed in Jesus' name, that he could be 
glorified. So Lord, we, we bow our hearts before you today. We thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that you restore all things. And I pray there, there's some people here, God, that might just feel like there's loose ends in their life, that there's not closure, there's just bitterness or things that are just festering and, and certain things come up that just reveal that hurt and that bitterness. Lord, I pray that you would take those and redeem them for your glory, that we would allow you to come into those areas in our lives that, that, that just seem bitter and unresolved and, and God, how could you heal me of this? God, you can do that when we're open to you. And so God, I just pray that for every person here. For anyone here today that's just not come into that relationship with you, Jesus, who have not allowed their lives to be redeemed, I pray that you would do that in their hearts right now. So we thank you, God, that you take all the messy stuff and you can use it for your glory. We are all products of your grace. Every single one of us in this room don't deserve it. We don't earn it. But God, you just lavish your grace on us when we least deserve it. And we're so thankful for that. So God, help us to be people that live for your glory. God, when anything is, is, is given to us, may we just be mirrors that reflect it right back to you and say, to God be the glory. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done in my life, that we can be products of your praise. So we thank you, Lord, for everything you do for us each and every day. You are so good to us. You are so good to us. We could never repay you. So we thank you for your grace today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing this to the Lord. And let's just reflect on his goodness and his grace today. God bless you. Compare
for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for just buying us back. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would just walk in that newness every single day, knowing that we are trophies and products of your grace. And Lord, every single one of us in this room, because of the devastating effects of sin, Lord, uh, God, we've done things and said things, Lord, that are just unbecoming of you, but we thank you that you take us and you take us back and you make us your own and you take all that messiness and you redeem it. And now we become products of your glory where you can say, hey, look what God does. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for the hope that we have that ultimately you're gonna restore all things. And that's what gives us hope for today and tomorrow and next week. So thank you, Lord, that you never, ever, ever, ever give up on us. You're so good to us. And we love you this morning in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 God is good. Good stuff. Listen. Listen, before you go, if any of you need prayer today, our prayer partners will be down front to pray through anything you're going through. Otherwise, go as God's redeemed people. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you guys.